You're listening to the Waterless and Wellness Podcast, episode number 20. Welcome to the Waterless and Wellness Podcast. I'm Jennifer Schreckengost. I consider myself a healthy-ish foodie, a waterless junkie, a coffee connoisseur, and an e-learning expert, and your host for the next hour or so. So pull up a seat, grab a cup of coffee, and come listen to conversations with real people who are all learning how to eat well, live well, and travel often. All right, welcome back to the podcast. So this week in episode 20, we are talking with Jessica Scully from Paleo Scalio. And just by reading Jessica's backstory on her own nutritional journey, I knew we were nutrition soul sisters. As Jessica described it, growing up, her family had a joke that the only green thing she would eat would be mushy canned peas, except it really wasn't a joke because that's really all she ate. Um, She expanded her horizons in college to include things like sliced tomatoes, but she drowned it in ranch dressing, and cereal was her favorite food. And so... I know that I'm not the only one who can relate to that type of previous eating habits. Am I? Am I right? So Jessica's nutritional journey evolved once she found paleo and she eased her way into a paleo lifestyle that works for her, which was her vision behind paleo scaleo. And just like with anything in life, scaling into a change in life will inevitably lead to longer lasting results. And that's what we're talking about in today's episode, how to learn to scale for long lasting long-term results. So with that being said, let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Jessica Scully with us from Paleo Scalio. Jessica is joining us for a Live Well episode. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. All right. Well, Jessica uh, runs the blog Paleo Scalio, and we're going to be talking about how to not only scale your way into maybe the paleo lifestyle, but also how scaling into any type of uh, change in your life can actually be beneficial. But before we dive into that topic, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and your own health journey to where you're at today? Sure. So um, when I was younger, it was kind of an ongoing joke that I did not eat vegetables. <laughs> my mom had a running thing where if it was green, it was not on my plate. Um, and I had, you know, friends, parents who would make fun of me for that same issue. <laughs> when I was in college, I had a boyfriend who was a, I don't know what I would call him a chef, but he was a cook and he would cook things in ways that made me try a lot of different things that I wouldn't normally have tried. So that kind of started to open my eyes, but I was still a little bit uh, limited in my eating habits. And Uh then I just slowly just started to experiment with things and um, I think kind of enjoy different flavors and learn how to work with spices and things like that that really can change either a bland vegetable or, you know, a, a really plain piece of meat into something that will kind of blow your taste buds away. So. Uh huh. Yeah, you know it's funny. Is I was just talking to somebody else um, on another episode. Um, I kind of had the same joke when I was when I was a kid growing up. The only vegetables I would eat would be corn, which we know isn't really a viable vegetable, <laughs> and um, canned green beans, and that was it. Um, my mom would try to force me to try other things, and you know there was the joke that I'd put a couple peas on my plate and I'd swoop them down with one drink, and then I'd call it a day, and I'd had my you know serving for the day. Um, and I didn't really eat vegetables, you know, at all beyond that until 
I started, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, started trying to like try different things and expand my, uh, clean up my nutrition and in doing so, you know, trying different things. So, so I can definitely relate to your, um, eating habits growing up. Yeah. My, mine was canned peas. I used to argue oh. like I do eat green things because I eat canned peas, but they had to be cooked until they're, you know, completely mushy. Uh huh. Oh, and peas. I still haven't figured out quite how to like peas. I, I, I think at this point they're just a no go. <laughs> right. So tell me the story behind Paleo Scaleo and the name of your blog and how you got started blogging. Um, so the name of the blog is actually based off of, I, I think sometimes people get confused when they see it and they think about like a scale. Oh, in terms yeah. Of weighing yourself. And it's not about that. It's about kind of scaling your lifestyle and scaling your eating habits um, to something that fits you. So <laughs> I've been participating in CrossFit for probably four years now um, and coaching for the last year and a half, two years. And one of the things in CrossFit when you're doing a workout is if the way that it, the workout is written is too difficult for you or the weights are too heavy or any of those things, then the, you have the option to scale it. And what that means is just kind of bring it down to what's appropriate for your level and where you are at that point. Mm -hmm. So when we started eating paleo, I kind of thought, okay, this is doable, but I don't know that I can do this forever. It's intense, uh -huh. it's you know, and I just don't think that it's, at least for me, something that's sustainable 100% indefinitely. Uh -huh. So I started looking at it from the perspective of the way you would scale a workout in scaling your eating habits and, you know, bring it down to what works for you. There's mm -hmm. not a one size fits all. There's a lot of people out there that will say, you know, there's a very rigid criteria to be considered paleo. Um, but I just think that you just have to find what works for you and do the best that you can. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of scaling the paleo was what resonated with me to make it long-term and lasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I did um, one of my very first few episodes. Um, we did an episode called 50 shades of paleo and it was just talking about how, you know, you don't have to do the super rigid you know, paleo structure, like you can adjust it to, to what works for you and like to find your shade per se of paleo. So absolutely. Well, has their own definition. I feel like uh -huh. there's a lot of people out there who define it differently and say, oh, that's paleo. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And I think there's some, you know, really basic rules that you can follow. And then, you know, you get into like really in-depth discussions about white potatoes and it's yes. like, you know, it's a potato. Yeah. The end all be all of the world. Like, let's just eat the potato and move on if that's the thing that works for you, you know? Right, right. Exactly. So what drew you to paleo initially just to, to, just to try it out? Was it in combination with CrossFit or did you try paleo prior to that? Um, so I, I'm honestly trying to remember if it was, which came first. It's like a chicken or an egg question. Uh -huh. Um, but we didn't go, I didn't go pa straight paleo from the get-go. Um, I actually started by watching um, Hungry for Change uh -huh. on Netflix. And I watched that and I was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, my husband was not home at the time and I went in the pantry and was like 
throwing things away, like cans of Campbell's soup with MSG in them and just anything that was in the pantry that was like highly processed and had, you know, ingredients I couldn't pronounce. And he came home and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, well, I just, this movie, you know, and I thought he was going to be against it and say, you can't throw away all that food. Like that's just wasted money. You know, and he was on board and he said, all right, well, let's just, you know, get rid of the stuff that we're not going to eat anymore. Um, and so that was really how it started. We just cleaned up the pantry and just started going kind of natural sourcing things. So uh -huh. things without labels, eating, you know, vegetables. We were getting our bread from a local bakery because it only had, you know, wheat, salt, yeast, and water. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of cutting down, you know, those ingredient lists and eating things that we knew where every ingredient came from. Or we, you know, my general rule is if you can't have the ingredient in your kitchen, it's not a real ingredient. Mm -hmm. like if I can't go to the store and buy it, it's not real. That's um, a good idea. That's I can't a good plan. go get yellow five. And right. <laughs> So that's not food. Uh, <laughs> so that was really how we started. And then from there, it just, we just started cutting things out and it wasn't, you know, cold Turkey. It was just, okay, well we don't really eat a lot of beans. So let's just try to cut beans out and see mm -hmm. how that does. And then, you know, we kind of just went from there and we went down with, you know, dairy and then bread and just kind of cut out one thing at a time just to see how it went and see how our bodies reacted. And, um, after about, I would say probably maybe about like three months um, of eating that way in combination with CrossFit. And I do think it's a combination. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it has to be CrossFit. I do think you have to move. Uh -huh. um, so you got to do something. Um, but he had lost 20 pounds and I had not lost any pounds, but I had lost three pant sizes. So it kind of showed us it works. Um, yeah. And aside from that, I mean, we just felt so much better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wasn't dragging in the middle of the day. I didn't feel exhausted. I had a lot more energy. It just felt all around, felt better. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was just kind of, this is, this is it. And then we started experimenting with different meals and flavors and things and coming up with different recipes. And I'm like, this is, there's something to this, right? I mean, it's, it's working for us and I want to, share that with other people. So awesome. And then did you, at that point, is that when you started the paleo scaleo blog? Yes. And I originally started it, um, almost just as a way to just document what we were eating so that like I would make things up and I'm like, I should write that down. <laughs> yeah. And so I was on, you know, like a, I wasn't even self-hosted. It was like a WordPress. Um, my pictures were like, like absolutely terrible. They were an iPhone. <laughs> they were you know in artificial lighting and yellow uh -huh. it wasn't for anybody to see other than me it was just for me to have a way to kind of track my recipes go back and say okay what did I do with this um and then with a little bit of encouragement from him he's like I feel like you're kind of onto something here you should try a little harder <laughs> <laughs> and uh so I actually started putting some effort into it and you know got self-hosted and kind of started learning and reading and doing some different things and it's been good so far it's been uh-huh and i think that's 
I, I mean, I think so many of us have that same journey where, you know, we started our food blogs um, or nutrition blogs or whatever it may be because we simply wanted to document like our own experience, you know, our own journey with changing up, you know, a diet or, you know, you know, maybe trying paleo or maybe if you're not doing paleo, you, you know, you're just following some other type of nutritional protocol or whatever. Um, and we start out that way as a way to share what we're doing maybe for ourselves or even for others. I know I started... Um, my blog, I've said it multiple times on other episodes, but I started mine because I wanted to share recipes that were paleo-ish, um, I say, um, but without uh, any type of nut ingredients because I have a severe nut allergy. And I found those to be difficult to find out there because a lot of um, swaps included almond flour and almond milk and cashews and those sorts of things. And so, you know, that's kind of how I started, you know, with my food blog. So, definitely can relate to, you know, sharing, you know, starting a blog to share your story. So tell me a little bit about, you know, you talked about getting food sourced locally. Um, and I know, I think I know that you, you know, have a bit of an urban farming venture that, you know, I read about on Paleo Scalio. Tell me, tell me about that uh, venture that you guys do. So we live um, in a city. We live in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. Um, so we do not have a big lot. We I mean, it's a, it's a city lot. Uh -huh. um, and we just, you know, that was kind of one of our experiments on the journey. We're like, well, we're spending all this money on CSAs and like supporting local farms. And while we like supporting local farms, I mean, who doesn't like going out in the yard and picking your own tomatoes and right. putting them in a salad. So, um, we're, we're definitely limited on space. Um, and we are definitely amateurs. We have experimented <laughs> and failed and, um, you know, I'd call us mildly successful with things like peppers and lettuces and stuff like that. But we just, um, we kind of revamped the yard. So we put in some, in the backyard, we put in three like raised vegetable boxes. Uh -huh. Um, and we just kind of rotate those out. So right now they have in there that we still have peppers. It's still 90 degrees here. So oh. we're still getting... Uh, summer vegetables that should have been long gone. I have a, like a bell pepper plant that's just going crazy. <laughs> uh, so we have some peppers there and then um, sweet potatoes are in the ground and we just actually planted some, some fall stuff like kale and broccoli and cauliflower, but I don't know how well it's going to do because it's still 90 degrees out. Yeah. Um, the front yard was really our kind of permanent planting uh big change that we did. So we ripped out almost everything in the front yard. <clears throat> it was all just hedges and kind of just useless plants, honestly. I mean, they were just, mm -hmm. they weren't serving any purpose, um, big bushes and stuff. So <clears throat> there's a walkway up the middle and on one side we ripped everything out and we planted a strawberry patch. Mm -hmm. We planted about 50 strawberry plants. Um, and then on the other side, we just went around the border of the lawn and we replaced, we ripped the entire front hedge out and replaced it with blueberry bushes. Oh, great. And then we replaced the side hedge, um, with something called pineapple guava, which someone recommended to us that they said makes delicious fruit. Um, those have not produced any fruit yet. They're still tiny babies, um, that are still growing, but all the way through the spring, I could go out in the morning and just pick a handful of blueberries and a handful of strawberries and you know, bring them in and have those for breakfast. So that was nice. We have a few other trees. We have a lime tree that's doing pretty well. We have a fig tree. Avocado tree is still, avocado trees take like 10 years to produce avocados. So <laughs> long-term, long-term venture there. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, we just kind of, you know, base it off what we're going to eat and what we know that we think will do well in the climate. Mm-hmm. We just try to plan a few of everything. And, you know, a lot of people, I've had a lot of people say, well, I don't have space for a farm. It's not really a farm. I mean, I live downtown. <laughs> I yeah. call it a farm because I want it to be a farm, but um, it's, it's not a farm. It's just uh-huh. a city lot where we just plant vegetables. So, you know, if you start with planting a tomato plant in a pot on your porch of your apartment, you're, you know, that's the first step. Yes. Yeah. We did the same thing. We live in town. Um, we live in a corner lot and we put two, uh, three or actually four raised beds in the backyard and have grown vegetables there. And then we actually, this last spring, we turned one of them into, now we started with just, I want to say like three strawberry plants and those things grow like wildfire. And it's like now the whole, the whole bed is strawberries. But like you said, it was so nice this last spring and summer to go out. We have a blackberry bush that I planted. The kids mowed it over with the mower twice and it survived and came back. And just to go out there and like you said, grab fresh strawberries and blueberries and have it um, with, you know, breakfast or like at, you know, after dinner dessert um, was nice. Now with vegetables, we, I, I need to plan better because like, it, you know, initially I was like, Oh, I want to grow this and grow this. The next thing you knew, like I had like 20 eggplants. I didn't know what to do with 20 eggplants. Cause those, you know, I was just like, every time I'd go out there they, and they were so gorgeous, but like, I didn't know what to do with that many eggplants. And so I do think you need to have a plan and, you know, prepare well. And then I need to also like for myself, learn how to, you know, what to do with an abundant, you know, lot of, you know, that, that you get and like how to can it or do something with it. So that doesn't, so it doesn't go to waste. Yeah. I've done a little bit of canning and stuff. We've not had, um, it's just been experimental, like trying to figure out what vegetables will grow well here. You know, mm-hmm. you, you look at the package and it says, Oh, this zone, and this is what's going to grow. And then, you know, it's 95 degrees outside with hundred percent humidity and it's too hot and they, yeah. they can't. Um, so it's just kind of, you know, trial and error. Like last year I planted Brussels sprouts, which are oddly my favorite vegetable now, um, <laughs> from the girl who wouldn't eat green things. <laughs> and I planted Brussels sprouts and I got these huge, beautiful stalks and you're supposed to cut the leaves off so that it forces the, you know, the sprouts themselves to grow. And I got these huge, beautiful stalks. We had two or three of them and I cut all the leaves off and you could see the little tiny buds where the Brussels sprouts were starting. And that was it. Oh no never turned into sprouts. And I don't know why. I mean, they flourished. They were tall. They were green. They were leafy. Like they didn't look sick. Uh-huh. Um, they just, and I don't know if it was, you know, the soil or the temperature or whatever. So it's all just a gamble and an experiment. Uh-huh. Uh, I tried to grow asparagus um, last year and it didn't do I mean, it. I mean, it kind of started to grow and then it just like quit. I don't know what happened to it. You know that comes back, right? Yeah, but it, I think it died because it didn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so while we're on the topic of Brussels sprouts, I have to ask you because I have tried to like Brussels sprouts and I've tried to cook them different ways and they look so gorgeous, but I haven't found a recipe that makes them as tasty as I want them to be. What is your favorite way to cook Brussels sprouts? So it's actually on my blog. It's just quick and easy roasted Brussels sprouts. Um, and it's not the sprout that will... Uh, change your mind it's the balsamic vinegar reduction okay so um i can definitely get you the link for that um but the you roast the brussels sprouts just on you just have to toss them like i have them or quarter them because the more surface area you have for exposure the crispier they get right so Uh that kind of mushy cabbage 
like interior that a lot of people I think are turned off by with Brussels sprouts. Uh So if you are turned off by that, then I would say quarter them. So I stem them and quarter them um, or have them and then spread them out very thinly on the pan. So they're not stacked on top of each other. They have a lot of space around them Uh um, to get crispy. And then I just roast them in the oven. um, I think between like 400 and 425. But while they're in the oven, I put some balsamic vinegar in a pot on the stove on low and just reduce it. So it just sits there kind of simmering while they're simmering in the oven. Um, and then once they're done, I just pour the balsamic over it and the balsamic gets to be kind of thicker and stickier. And so it Mm -hmm. will cling to them. And, um, I've converted quite a few Brussels sprout haters. You know, I see a lot of, um, Brussels sprout recipes. I haven't tried any that have a balsamic glaze or something. So there must be something about that connection between, the flavor of the balsamic vinegar and the flavor of the Brussels sprouts. So I'll definitely I think it's have to a little bit, you know, it's got that little bit of sweetness in the balsamic vinegar, but it's also got the bite to it. And it kind of, uh-huh. cuts the, the, I think the bitterness of the Brussels sprout, like plain Brussels sprouts are terrible. So I just, I think it just kind of cutting that, that slight bitterness that the Brussels sprouts have and, and giving it a little bit of a boost um, with that vinegar and then just like a sprinkle of salt. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I will definitely look that recipe up and try that. Well, let's talk, let's talk strategy now. So, um, I always like to try to give the listeners, you know, some sort of strategy around the topic that we're talking about. So scaling into a paleo lifestyle, what are some strategies that you would recommend for someone that would like to maybe try it out? Um, I know anytime you make a transition, especially into paleo, like the grocery shopping can seem overwhelming, understanding what you need to eat and what, you know, like what works for you can be overwhelming. So what are some strategies that you would recommend for someone to scale into trying paleo? It's definitely, um, it can be overwhelming if you don't figure out how to kind of take baby steps. Um, it can definitely, I mean, I would say now I don't want to call myself a professional, but like I hit three grocery stores, at least one or two farmers markets a week. And we have like a CSA and a CSF where we get our fish from like a local farmer at the dock. Mm -hmm. So I do spend a lot of time running around, like getting my eggs from this guy, getting my fish from this guy. But to me, it's worth it Mm -hmm. because I know who I'm giving my money to, how I'm supporting them, you know, that there are people in our community as well. So, um, but I do think for somebody who's just starting out, who's used to just going to the grocery store, going shopping, coming home with some bags of food. Oh, I'm really busy. You know, I just need to get this like Stouffer's lasagna in the oven and call it Uh a day. Um, All the preparations can be a little overwhelming. So I think, you know, if you're even just not even worrying about necessarily it being paleo, just, you know, figure out what's one baby step that you can take for yourself and your family. Maybe it's cutting out bread. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's cutting out dairy. Maybe it's not eating out three times a week. Mm -hmm. You know, figure out whatever that baby step is for you to get you started and get you going. And then, you know, go from there. Don't try to bite off more than you can chew, literally all at the same time, right? I mean, you can't go from the way that you live now to a 180 degree change overnight. It just, mm-hmm. it's just to learn it and kind of figure it out and feel comfortable with it. I think for me, um, another big thing was just meal prepping and food prepping. And I know that that's intimidating to a lot of people, but if you can just spend even an hour or two, even if it's just like chopping and prepping vegetables on a Sunday afternoon so that you have them 
caught up in the refrigerator, it is so much easier to look in the fridge and say, oh, I have sliced peppers and onions. I can throw those in a pan with some sausage versus I can't even get my head around cutting up three bell peppers and three onions right now. Yes, absolutely. So if you can just spend a little bit of time kind of prepping things, even if it's not making whole meals, um, I try to cook a lot of casseroles and things that'll feed you for the week. I think one of the things we started out with really regularly um, was just like a, like a breakfast hash. So I'd make mm-hmm. a pan of sweet potato, pepper, onion, um, garlic, and then some kind of meat, either like a sausage or a bacon. And that pan just stays in the fridge. And every morning you just pull that out, heat it up in a pan. If you want to put some eggs with it, put some eggs with it and you got breakfast and you've started your day off super healthy. It's ready to go. And it, you know, took you five minutes to get it ready. So yeah. Just baby steps, figuring out what's one thing you can do during the week and then just kind of adding on to that once you get comfortable with those new changes. Absolutely. I would, I would definitely agree with that and start simple. Like you said, like it, like the, the meal that you just mentioned with, you know, peppers and onions and sausages and throw them in a skillet. I mean, that's totally simple. Like you don't have to, you know, fix these elaborate, you know, paleo style meals. I mean, there, there's everything from just throwing a, you know, a, a vegetable and a, and a protein together to, you know, the very elaborate, you know, meal where you're swapping on a lot of ingredients. But I would definitely also say, start simple. I know I made the mistake when I first started, I thought I needed to like completely transform my entire grocery list and just do it all at one time. And that didn't really work well for me. So I had to like take a step back and be like, okay, let's start with just, you know, like this one ingredient swap, or let's just, like you said, I really like the idea, like you said, let's just start with maybe we don't eat out three times a week. <laughs> you know, for some people that's, you know, um, you know, that's a thing. And so start with an ingredient, start with one meal that seems a little, you know, easier to negotiate um, in terms of changing things up. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely think those are some good strategies to get started, especially if this is like a completely different change for you. Yeah. And once you get used to it, I mean, things like eating out can be tough in terms of, okay, well, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to cook. You know, I'm not going to eat out three days a week, whatever, but maybe you do go to eat out and you're like, man, I'm trying to eat healthy. I don't know, you know, what to order. Everything is like a sandwich or, you know, it's just not in line with what I'm trying to do. Um, you know, always ask questions. Mm -hmm. I read menus before I go to restaurants which seems crazy when I say it out loud. Like when I plan to go out to eat, I look online at the menu and people say, really? That's weird. I'm like, no, because <laughs> I know what I'm getting into and I know what my options are when I get there. Yeah. Um, and I can say, you know, I want the, you know, you're talking about the sausage and peppers. Like they might have a sandwich that's a sausage on a bun topped with peppers and onions. I'll take that without the bread. Mm-hmm. You know? And there, then you, and you're done. Yeah. Um, so I think just kind of knowing what to expect and knowing what you're getting into is half the battle and not being caught off guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I do that too, especially, um, I look ahead to see, um, because I also, um, try to eat as gluten-free as possible. Um, just because I know what happens when I do eat gluten. And so I will do research ahead of time to see like, okay, like what gluten-free options do they have or what meals could I adjust, you know, to, you know, to remove that. Um, I will also look ahead, 
Um, I have a severe nut allergy. And so I'll look ahead to see, you know, what um, meals might have, you know, cross contamination when it comes to nuts too. So, so definitely be your own advocate and, uh, you know, you got to advocate for advocate for yourself and, you know, do the work and do and look ahead when you want to go eat out. Um, but it's not like you said, I know like saying that out loud seems like, oh my gosh, that's so much work, but it's really not, you know, it's just not. And once you get into the routine, it's just kind of like, you know, it's just what you do. So, all right. Well, oh, go ahead. No, I just said good habits. Yes. Yes. And it takes a while. I mean, gosh, I'm how many years into my, you know, journey of, you know, cleaning up my diet and, you know, finding a, like what I call a shade of paleo that works for me. And I'm still, you know, making adjustments and trying different things. And, 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 you know, I might, you know, fall back to some old habits, but then I, you know, clean them back up. I mean, it's just a journey. It's, it's always a journey. And, and the key is just to keep, you know, keep trying to improve your overall nutrition um, and not just, you know, fall a hundred percent back into those old habits because you won't not be not being too hard on yourself either. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I'm, you know, 36 weeks pregnant right now. And I didn't feel like for me that it was fair of me necessarily to stay paleo because there's not really any studies showing whether, you know, like if I don't eat bread, mm-hmm. so you have a gluten allergy. I don't yeah. know but I don't think it's fair of me to impose that on him if that possibility exists. Right. So, you know, I just tried to work in a few things here and there, eat a little bit of rice, make sure there was like some grains in my meals. Um, just so that, you know, he was getting exposure to every possible thing out there. Um, so that hopefully, you know, once he's here with us, he'll have a little bit more room to, you know, kind of experiment on his own and see what he likes. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not beating myself up over that. You know, yeah, I've had a little bit of bread. I've had a little bit of rice. You know, I've had some ice cream. It is what it is. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll get back to to me, um, you know, here shortly. But, you know, when you're considering another person, it's like you just got to be flexible. So, you know, have a day where it's like, oh, I've totally fallen off the wagon and I I have completely failed myself. It's okay because there's another day coming, you know. Yeah. Pick up and try again. Show yourself some self-compassion. It's right. it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Well, where can um, the listeners find you out there on the internet? Um, so you can find me on my blog. It's just paleoscaleo.com. Um, and also on pretty much any social media platform. All of them are just, you know, forward slash paleoscaleo. So Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, any of those. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I always like a good conversation about paleo and, you know, scaling into a healthier lifestyle because I think that's, I think maybe that's, you know, close to my heart because that's my own experience of, you know, just trying to find my way because there's so much information out there and it can be so overwhelming. And so the more tips and strategies I can give people out there on how to find what works for them and how to approach it in an easy manner, uh, the, the better. So thank you again for joining me. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, we will talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed our, my conversation with Jessica today. And as always, you can find all of Jessica's direct links to all of her social media sites and her, her blog, Paleo Scalio, in the show notes, as well as go to www.waterlessandwellness.org forward slash podcast, find episode 20, and you will find all of her links there in order to connect with Jessica. 
And so I also um, wanted to just also include on that page, you will also find links to our Waterless and Wellness Academy, which is where you're going to find all of the courses. It's a membership academy where you can press the reset button on life and start designing Uh, redesigning a life around eating well, living well, and traveling often, just creating a life that sets your soul on fire. And if you want to join the Wanderlust and Wellness Facebook community group, just head over to www.wanderlustandwellness.org forward slash Facebook group and join us in there. So with that being said, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and subscribe to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast to enjoy all of our upcoming episodes. And while you're there, go ahead and drop us a review. And be sure to follow Wanderlust and Wellness at www.wanderlustandwellness.org or jump on our mailing list to get instant access to all of our recipes, Wanderlust tips, and resources on how you can take your blog to the next level with online courses at www.wanderlustandwellness.org forward slash email. And speaking of blogging, if you're ready to stop worrying about page views and ad revenue and start creating a profitable online course that will complement your current blog content and bring in revenue, then join our Blogger to Course Creator Facebook group at www.wanderlustandwellness.org forward slash blogger to course creator. Please note that I am not a registered dietitian or a medical professional. The views I express are mine alone based on my own experiences and should not be taken as medical advice. Please speak with a medical professional before making any changes to your current routine.